What is buckle fat removal? Buckle fat removal? Buckle fat removal. It's a very specific collection of fat in the face. They're taking the fat near their mouths and they're removing it. Buckle fat removal. You guys, this has gone way too far. Is everyone else just completely over like being attractive? I'm so over wanting to look pretty. I'm over it. I'm tired. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. So we have to talk about it. Buckle fat removal. Yes, it's apparently pronounced like buckle. Until recently, many of us did not even know this surgery existed, but now it is storming the internet. So let's discuss. On TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and even mainstream media, everyone has been talking about this plastic surgery trend that essentially removes the fat pad in your cheeks. For many people, this carves out the hollows of your face, creating a sharper, more angular look. But for some, the procedure can create a more severe, even gaunt look with comparisons to Tim Burton characters. It's a lot. So I've been interested in why such a niche procedure like buckle fat removal is such a major discussion right now. By the way, this video is less about debating whether this is overall a good or bad procedure. It's an internet analysis. Let's examine what's being posted, what's being discussed. How is everyone responding to this trending topic? I feel like through most of my life, the mainstream used to only focus on the big noticeable surgeries, boob jobs, nose jobs, BBLs. But largely due to social media, we've had a greater awareness and ability to recognize more subtle procedures. And as we notice these celebrity surgery trends, some trickle down to the general public and suddenly many people are wondering, should I get my buckle fat removed? Recently, we've seen a lot of celebrities with more angular looking faces, but really what blew up the internet was this Instagram post from Leah Michelle. Her transformation does seem pretty dramatic. There has been a whole range of responses from good to bad, but overall, I think a lot of people were wondering just why? What is up with this whole buckle fat issue? Now, to really get into the whole nitty gritty throughout this entire video, I have to explain a little bit more about the surgery. So part of its appeal is that it's been promoted as quick and minimally invasive. For the low price of two to $5,000, you can get results without long aftercare or any visible scarring. The surgeon simply makes incisions inside your mouth to pull out those little fat pads, then just throw in some stitches. Sorry for that body horror, if that disturbs you as much as it does me. It is an outpatient procedure, so you can go in and out in a few hours. It is basically a shortcut to the cheekbones of your dreams. Again, that may be how it's being promoted. That doesn't get into the risks or complications, which I will touch on later in this video. And by the way, though it is sort of trending in media right now, this sort of procedure is not new. Even back in the golden era of Hollywood, stars wanted sharper facial definition too. But their procedure often involved removing their molars. Honestly, in comparison, buckle fat removal doesn't sound so bad. I did it when I was 23. It's called the buckle. When you remove the back teeth, your cheeks curve in at a more elegant angle. And by the way, before I get in too deep, today's video is not sponsored, so allow me to do a little bit of self-promo. 
If you have not seen my latest videos, please check them out. I really appreciate any engagement. Likes and comments do go a long way. We must feed the mighty algorithm. And also a reminder that all episodes of Internet Analysis are available on Spotify as video podcasts, so you can watch and or listen through there if you want. Thank you. By the way, my goal for this year is to post two videos a month. I will try. <laughs> so hopefully you'll be seeing more of me more regularly. So let's continue. When we talk about a procedure trending, it's not as if everyone sees a TikTok and immediately jumps on it, booking their appointments instantly. It's more so trending in the sense of, okay, we're noticing a lot of celebrities who may have had this, and there's a lot of discussion about it online. How is this going to affect people, you know, the general public's behavior? And at least on my side of the internet, people are not really buying into buckle fat removal. I'm seeing a lot of really interesting critical conversations about it. And by the way, the media cycles are wild because buckle fat removal has really only been in the zeitgeist since like early to mid-December, which is when I started working on this script. Then we had the holidays, then I got sick, so now it might be old news. Um, but really, even at that time, some people were already sick of hearing about it within like a few days. Topics get so oversaturated so quickly, especially with TikTok, which one makes it very difficult to make videos like this without worrying that things are just completely irrelevant by the time the video goes up. More importantly, it really changes the way that we have conversations online because it's hard to have nuanced, in-depth conversations or explorations of something if everyone's like over it within 48 hours. Anyway, I want to highlight a few of the main critiques and discussions that I've noticed. Number one, the round face revolution. Of course, with a trending surgery aimed at removing full round cheeks, we're hearing a resounding rejection from the self-identified cherub-faced community. Should you get buckle fat removal? No. As a chubby cheek girly, it breaks my heart a little bit. Having buccal fat is wrong. I don't want to be right. Round-faced girlies, stand up. We are an irreplaceable societal resource. Here's a tweet from Rain. My excessive buckle fat may be unchic at the moment, but the tables will turn once we're all in our 60s and I'm the only bitch in town who looks jolly. Another person replied, round-faced girls will have the last laugh. I have seen some people interpret these sorts of posts to mean like, oh, now they're trying to make round faces a trend. And I don't see it that way. These people are not telling everyone to go get cheek implants or anything. This is more of a positive response. It's a rejection of the idea that everyone suddenly needs to go get surgery and completely change their face shape. It's a call for celebration. Hey, to everyone with a round face, if you're feeling a little insecure, cure right now, let's romanticize and embrace our own features. As long as it doesn't veer into complete toxic positivity territory, I think it is totally healthy and good to see positive representation for all kinds of features. Plastic surgery to remove your fuller cheeks is trending? Not on my lunch. So here's how I use makeup to accentuate my round cheeks. Because they're cute! I don't care if Tim Burton himself jumps me. I am never getting rid of my chipmunk-sized cheeks. I'm sick of the propaganda. Another discussion I've seen focuses on the gaunt, thin is in part of this aesthetic. It's very worrying in the recent context as we've seen more extreme displays of thinness coming back into style. This connects so well with diet culture and the glorification of thinness. Like people are getting this ultra gaunt look 
that really the only other way you can get that is to starve yourself down to a very low body weight. It's kind of mimicking the look of what you would look like if you were a very thin person. Why are people getting the surgery? Is it because we're starting to see the rise of very thin people coming back into vogue? I'm so bored of people talking about whether something looks good or not. Why are people doing it? Why? Let's talk about how skinny is back even though it never left. Surprisingly though, it is still affecting. <laughs> it's so crazy how like subconsciously, I've been slowly but surely been way more nitpicky about my figure since a lot of these trends started popping up on my For You page, on my social media. I don't wanna veer too far from my outline, but this is obviously a very important discussion as we see more focus on bodies as trends. But I'm gonna recommend some other pieces that focus specifically on this part of the issue. So next I wanna discuss intent versus outcome. The goal of getting buckle fat removal is to have a more sculpted, sharper face with prominent cheekbones. Some people get that and many are happy with the immediate results. However, there are other outcomes to consider, especially long-term. Many warn about premature aging. Be careful removing fat in the face. It's a precious resource. Here's a quote from Amanda Ross. The natural aging process causes fat loss in the face, which increases with every decade. The procedure may lead to sunken cheeks and may enhance other signs of facial aging. Now, this is another fascinating discussion. Our fear of looking old or of aging in general, especially when it comes to women's appearances. Regardless of where you are on the spectrum of fighting the aging process versus aging naturally, I think most people at least don't want to accelerate the process if they can avoid it. Anyway, because we lose facial fat over time, it is quite possible that someone may get buckle fat removal, continue losing volume, and end up wanting filler or implants later to bring that volume back into their face. For example, many K-pop stars have allegedly already gone through this cycle of removing and refilling. This reflects the exhausting back and forth nature of beauty trends. It feels like we are constantly doing and undoing things. But there's a big difference between like chopping your hair off and growing it back out versus something like buckle fat removal, which is permanent. You're removing the actual fat pad structure in your face so you wouldn't even be able to gain fat back there if you wanted to. I'm not a doctor, but uh, that's what the articles say. <laughs> Continuing on, a lot of people also online are roasting this procedure. They think it looks too extreme or even ugly. They call it the handsome Squidward look. Perhaps that's coming from a place of trying to punch up at the celebrity and beauty culture that is constantly trying to sell us new surgeries, but also trying to reject the latest surgical trend by simply telling people they look ugly maybe isn't the best approach. Here's a TikTok from one of my favorite beauty commentary accounts, Pretty Critical. What's missing from this conversation is a critique of the way that people are talking about these celebrities. What I'm seeing online is this intense vocal pushback saying it's not even attractive, you look so old. It jumped from being a critique of plastic surgery to being a critique of individual people's looks. When your criticism is you don't look as good or you don't look as young, what you're implying is that these celebrities these women owe you youthful plump faces. I just want us to remember that critiquing the society that pushes people towards plastic surgery is one thing, demanding that women mold their aesthetics to your taste is another.
Another major thing I want to discuss is the idea of invasiveness. As I mentioned earlier, buccal fat removal is promoted as minimally invasive. Thanks to increasingly sophisticated medical technology, there are more and more plastic surgeries that are much less invasive. Obviously, medical advancement is great. I would never wish a harder surgery or recovery process on anyone. However, this idea of less invasive procedures may be contributing to a culture that is minimizing the thought or consideration that we put into getting work done. If a procedure is branded as so easy, quick, and not painful, many more people may be drawn to getting it. Invasiveness obviously is not the only factor, cost is another major one, but something being minimally invasive is definitely a perk. So I think our sense of invasive is changing. On one hand, many procedures really are less invasive than they were in the past, and on on the other hand, I think more procedures are being normalized regardless of their invasiveness, and we see them as not a big deal. The more people you've seen or know who've had it, the safer it feels. And of course, with parasocial relationships, it's easy to feel like you know people who've had this procedure done, even if they are just influencers or celebrities you follow. And not to sound like I am making moral judgments or like trying to scare people away from anything, but I do believe that we should still be wary of any and all procedures. As usual, we don't know the long-term effects of new procedures or treatments. Like years ago, people were told, oh, filler can't migrate. Now we know yeah, it can. Even with minimally invasive procedures with the best surgeons, there are always risks of complications. There are important structures where the buccal fat pad lives, the facial nerve, the blood vessels, the parotid duct, they're all at risk during the surgery. What happens if the nerve is injured? Well, I actually had a patient that that happened to. And, you know, we all, as surgeons, no one likes to talk about the complications, but I think it's important because it obviously influenced me in, in stopping the surgery and, and not offering it anymore. So anyway, I don't know if this is as intriguing to anyone else as it is to me, but this is what kind of really fascinated me about this topic. I feel like the Overton window of normalized procedures is shifting. Just a few years ago, Kylie Jenner was still denying even having lip filler. We've come a long way in recent years. These days, obviously, filler and other injectables are very, very normalized. Jumping in to add this TikTok I saw last night because it feels relevant. This is Heidi Montag from Laguna Beach and the Hills. In 2010, when she was 23, Heidi had 10 procedures done in one day. It was very big news in the tabloids. I found the comments on this TikTok very interesting. Many people said basically at the time they remember being really shocked by Heidi's transformation, but they say looking at her with today's standards, her appearance now looks very typical. She basically looks like an influencer. Important to note, it wasn't just about how she looked, but also the fact that she got so much done all at once. It was a big sudden change. Anyway, I thought this was a fascinating example of the Overton window shift. At that time, a young person getting that many procedures was very shocking. Whereas today, I still think people would do the surgeries a bit more gradually, but I don't think the media or public would be very shocked by this number of procedures or this overall change in appearance. 
with that, now is a good time for me to touch on my complicated feelings about plastic surgery. This is not a simple question of like, hey, are you for it or against it? Context absolutely matters. There's a spectrum of how medically necessary a procedure is or if it could greatly improve someone's quality of life or if they just want something done and they're making a safe, informed decision. I want to live in a world where people don't feel compelled, pressured, or required to get surgery in order to feel good, normal, beautiful, etc. But I also understand that it is deeply personal. So for myself, in terms of getting things done on my own body, I've always been more on the anti side. I have never considered getting plastic surgery or even cosmetic procedures like Botox or fillers until very recently. I will admit lately I have been looking into chin liposuction. I've been feeling very insecure about my jawline and my side profile and it is especially hard being on camera and watching footage of myself all the time. And I feel guilty for even considering it. One part of me is like, oh, you're a bad feminist. A good feminist would simply refuse to buy into any of these beauty standards, which I know is not true. Another part of me is like, well, is plastic surgery morally neutral? (laughs) Trying to examine this. I don't think anyone else getting work done means that they are a bad person. But again, I'm a lot harder on myself and I have these like impossible expectations that only apply to me. I also feel very conflicted about doing anything to myself that would play into a beauty standard that I don't want to support, if that makes sense. Like I don't want the standard to be everyone has to have a snatched jawline, but if I get that procedure, does that mean that that's what I believe and that I think more people should do that? Do you get what I'm saying? My feelings about this will probably continue to evolve forever, so I just want to give myself the space to continue figuring that out. It is a lot to unpack. It is hard enough to decide where I stand for myself and my own body. So then, when it comes to making a judgment of whether a procedure is right for anyone else, that is not my business. It's not my place. On an individual level, anyone can do what they want. However, I still believe individual choices do have an impact on the larger scale. One surgery doesn't change the world, but the culmination of lots of individual choices contribute to major societal shifts and beauty standards. Which again is why I'm like, if I were to get the procedure done, am I contributing to that beauty standard? Am I making it kind of worse for everyone else? Or am I just trying to cope with living in these beauty standards that set impossible expectations? It is indeed very, very complicated. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Anyway, now I want to continue into the trend cycle of bodies and faces. Just like fast fashion, our bodies are commodities that can be cycled through. We now have a flavor of the week for aesthetics. Micro trends fly in and out of fashion in a matter of days. Trend cycles are exhausting, but at least hair, makeup, and clothing aren't 
permanent. You can try out a trend, hopefully, without too much investment. You could shop secondhand or test something out with things you already own. It's definitely concerning just how fast the trend cycle moves in the age of the internet, but it's even worse when we're not just talking about clothes or accessories. We are seeing whiplash fast aesthetic trends for facial features and body shapes. I think we've all become pessimistically used to it, but this is wild. How many of us have ever thought, oh, I should get my cheek fat removed? Probably only a small percentage of people may have felt particularly insecure about their cheeks. But suddenly I'm seeing people with faces that are not even remotely round or full wondering if they need this procedure. Not that anyone needs it, but some of these people, what cheek fat? But that's the point, and that's what a lot of this discourse has been about. Inventing insecurities. Here's a tweet from Morgan Sung. Buckle fat, hip dips, trapezius contouring. Wake up, babe, new insecurity just dropped. I swear we get a new arbitrary beauty standard every fiscal quarter. Do you remember the TikTok trend of the like mirror filter, which was supposed to show how symmetrical your face is? And suddenly a bunch of people thought that they had a horribly lopsided face. Boom, invented insecurity. Wow, I never worried about this before, but now I can't stop thinking about it. I know some people think it's lame to criticize beauty filters, but I disagree. I think TikTok filters play a huge role in letting the public try out new trending aesthetics. They introduce us to new beauty standards. They are all part of the same machine. You try a filter as a joke for fun, but then suddenly you might wanna make real changes to your actual face or body. I also don't love the one-size-fits-all nature of these procedures as trends or even these filters. Even going back to the classic Instagram face, we have seen people try to change their entire appearance to fit one specific mold. These trends are not about how to find the best look for you as an individual. It's about everyone looking the same. It is just so deeply exhausting. The media and people around us are always promoting the next up-and-coming ideal. It is always out of reach. Unless the point is for us to always keep changing. It sure would be great for the capitalistic system if we all buy into this. Buy the impossibly fast trend cycles for clothing, makeup, faces, and bodies. Constant modification and tweaks and evolution would really boost the economy. New standard, new insecurity, new procedure or tweakment recommended to fix the problem. Some filler or an implant here or there, no big deal. If in six months or a year you want to change, just do another minimally invasive treatment on repeat forever. Here's a quote from Tanya Chen's Insider article. I'd like to believe most people are not serious about jumping on a trend and scheduling a cheek fat removal appointment just because they saw a TikTok or Instagram post, but I worry for myself and even younger women about the superabundance of these transformation posts and whether they might begin to distort our better judgment. If we see a post once or twice, we can regulate ourselves to ignore them, soothe our inner critic, push against oppressive voices. But when we see the same post or discussion over and over that's been algorithmically placed into our home feeds, it's easier to become inured to the notion that there is something wrong with us that needs to be nipped, tucked, or corrected to fit prevailing trends. And lastly, we must discuss the role of wealth and privilege in this discussion. One of my biggest takeaways about this trend cycle of surgeries is like, 
Wow, that must be incredibly expensive to maintain. If you've ever seen a Lori Hill video, you know it's true. I love Lori's videos for not only pointing out how subtle celebrity surgeries can be, but also for pointing out how much it costs to look like certain celebrities. That celebrity who insists they're all natural just might have spent over six figures in cosmetic work. It takes the best surgeons to achieve that elusive you, but better, all natural surgery look. These little tweaks are so duplicitous. From year to year, the celebrity might not look that different or they just appear to never age. But it is usually a lot more obvious when you look at them pre-fame compared to now. You can see things have changed, but is it really surgery? Could masterful makeup and lighting and skincare be responsible? And yes, those absolutely help, but probably some surgeries as well. This knowledge doesn't undo my own insecurities, but I do think Damn, I'm sure it would be a lot easier to fit these beauty ideals if I had $200,000 to spend on my appearance, fine-tuning and perfecting all my features. And it's also a good old-fashioned reminder that, hey, very, very few people naturally look this way, this good. Very few people are born with this combination of features. Now, these celebrities were already beautiful from birth. They were very lucky genetically, but even they are still under the pressure to get that slight enhancement. Perfections that honestly I think take away from, you know, unique features, but that's just me. Anyway, it is wild. The sheer number of surgeries and revisions, and that's even without complications. Then we see celebrities who have the money and they have the means to keep up with these trend cycles. We can actively see them jump on a trend and then get those same surgeries undone or changed in order to fit the next standard. For example, Kim Kardashian, of course. Kim was long known as the poster child for the BBL look, and recently she has allegedly undone the BBL and is now looking very thin. There is much to be said about her transformations, especially in terms of the complicated intersections with race and where Kim finds her fashion and aesthetic inspirations. The way I wrote this sounds really vague, so I'm just going to call it what it is. The Kardashians have long been known for appropriating specifically Black culture, especially when it is beneficial and profitable for them. And recently, it's been interesting to see them not only move further away from Black aesthetics, but also in their new, thinner bodies, looking much more like blonde white women. Teen Noir made a really great video about this recently, so I highly recommend watching that. Now, again, when it comes to plastic surgery trends, the BBL era was very fascinating, especially for the general public getting the surgery. It is a really big deal. It's expensive. It has some pretty significant risks of blood clotting and even death and a gnarly recovery period. For the average person, they probably had to take out debt in order to pay for the surgery. Many people went abroad to get it done and had a very uncomfortable, difficult flight back home where they could barely even sit. But for the wealthy, money is not a problem and recovery really isn't either. They can afford the very best surgeons. They can obviously take time off in order to recover. They can pay for top tier recovery centers or nurses to be in their care full time. Another example is veneers. Many people have gotten what they thought were veneers but were actually crowns and therefore they had their teeth shaved down to nubs when really veneers are supposed to be, they're supposed to require very little prep 
prep work and you're supposed to be able to maintain most of your natural teeth. Anyway, now if you've had your teeth all ground to nubs, your natural teeth are destroyed. They will have to have the expensive upkeep of these crowns slash veneers for their entire lives. Some of these people might have the extra cash flow to afford it right now, but they might not be able to afford it later in life. I think that's the difference is like for the average person in the general public, the question is, oh, can I afford to do this thing now? But it's not a matter of, can I afford to do it now? Can I possibly afford any complications that might arise out of this? Could I afford revisions if needed? Can I afford to get this undone if I maybe choose to want to do that down the line? That suddenly makes the cost of the entire procedure a lot higher. And for the wealthy, of course, that's not a problem, especially if you have like actual generational wealth, you're gonna be able to afford the long-term costs and have all the best healthcare. The rich have the privilege and financial means to do and undo whatever work they like. For them, it is feasible to keep up with these crazy fast trend cycles. New clothes? Absolutely. New hair? Sure thing. Long-term filler and Botox maintenance? Got it. A new procedure or surgery every couple months? Done. And also, it's never just one thing. Again, if you're considering, oh, can I get this one procedure? It's probably not going to be just that. Even with buckle fat removal, it is usually recommended in conjunction with other procedures. I saw this surgeon's post, which may be a little bit misleading. The picture itself says buckle fat pad removal, but the caption elaborates, this is buckle fat removal plus facial and neck liposuction. So in order to get such dramatic results, you would need to get multiple procedures. And then of course, when you're changing one part of the face, it often throws off the balance and then suddenly you have to adjust a lot of things. That is a lot of surgery and a lot of money. By the way, this is how some rich people feel like they live paycheck to paycheck, which is hilarious. The astronomical costs of just maintaining their beauty routine is so expensive. Due to their lifestyle creep, these are considered their like minimum needs that they feel compelled to keep up with in order to just feel normal. Botox filler, expensive skincare routines, veneers, nails, hair extensions, eyelash extensions, and I'm sure a lot more that I don't even know about because I am not in that time bracket. I just find it fascinating, like even for celebrities with infinite money and access to all the procedures they could ever want, the beauty chase is still never ending. Chase the next trend, the fresh new look, fight against any signs of aging. Oh no, you're losing tone, you're losing volume. You never reach self-actualization. Do you think the Kardashians are ever satisfied with how they look? Or do they ever reach a point where they can stop obsessing or hyper-focusing on their own and each other's appearances? I don't think so. And not that I like feel bad for them, but like that is a sad thought for anyone. So that's the end of the video. I know this was a lot, but I just, I couldn't resist talking about the whole buckle fat removal trend and all of the associated issues and discourse. Okay, so final thoughts. Ultimately, I think people being open and honest about the work they have done is very important. I love when people share information or make vlogs about their surgeries. When it comes to getting work done, being fully informed about the whole process, cost, risks, recovery is crucial. I am very pro sharing information. I hope we get to see more famous people be open about what work they've had done because it's just so frustrating to hear, oh, I just work out and use good skincare products. Come on. I think we all benefit from having a more accurate gauge of like, what do people look like? What does aging look like? 
What are the real possible results of these products or procedures? And within all of those, there's a massive range. But at least if you are more knowledgeable about reality, this can help you make more informed decisions about what you want to do or not do. Now, when it comes to the issue of self-esteem, that is very complicated. I wish we could all magically stop comparing ourselves to others or just disconnect ourselves from beauty standards, but that's unlikely. Bottom line, though, we absolutely should not buy into this notion of these face and body trends. We do not need the procedure of the month. Ideally, we could all focus more on what is truly fulfilling and satisfying for ourselves, and hopefully that would fall more outside the realm of our appearance. Jesus, I need to get off my soapbox. Sorry for sounding corny, but I can't stop. So thank you so much for watching. If you made it to the end, I am very appreciative. Now I want to give a shout out to my patrons. I create bonus content on Patreon and we have a monthly live stream. Extra thank yous to my executive producer tier. We have Uwu Face, Abby Hayden, Eric Danielson, Freshly Laundered, Jackie King, Jill Hoffman, Julie Leva, Kristen Holloman, Matthew Gray, Megan Collins, MegCat33, Nicole Louise, Online DBT Skills, Sarah Kemi, Stevie May, Tom Walker, Treffa, and VivianOldon.com. Thank you for being patrons. And again, if you're interested, please check out my last video, which was about pop star mall tours for a fun, light little dive into pop star nostalgia, mall culture, and stay tuned for future internet analysis episodes. Okay, thanks, bye!